Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Good morning. It's Thursday, the 21st of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the Fed tells markets borrowing costs must remain higher for longer as policymakers opt for a hawkish hold. The prospect of a Bank of England rate hike later today remains on a knife edge as inflation unexpectedly cools. And we take a closer look at one of Europe's hottest housing markets. And no, it's not London or Paris. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. JP Morgan boss Jamie Dimon says the Fed may have to keep increasing interest rates in the months ahead to combat persistent inflation. The warning from the head of America's biggest bank comes after Fed policymakers left rates unchanged and indicated the possibility of one more hike this year. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says renewed US economic strength means borrowing costs must remain higher for longer. We're prepared to raise rates further if appropriate, and we intend to hold policy at a restrictive level until we're confident that inflation is moving down sustainably toward our objective. Jerome Powell went on to tell reporters that an economic soft landing is a primary objective for the central bank. Those comments were echoed in the Fed's projections for inflation to fall below 3% next year and return to the 2% target by 2026. The Bank of England's rate setters decide how much further Britain's fastest hiking cycle in decades goes later today. Yesterday's surprise drop in inflation has made it a close-run event for Bloomberg's senior UK economist, Dan Hanson. You've got services inflation surprising to the downside. You've got the economy weakening and you've got the unemployment rate rising faster than they expect. So there's a lot of dovish news on the data front other than the pay growth data. But I think on balance, the bank is going to lean towards probably just doing one more, just on essentially on insurance grounds. Well, like Dan Hansen, Goldman and Nomura reacted to the inflation data. They have swapped their calls from a 25 basis point rate hike to no change. Bets are now split 50-50 across the markets between the two outcomes, paving the way for a volatile market on the decision. General Electric and Saffron say thousands of fake aircraft parts have been sold onto the market. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the story. This eye-popping saga all started when Bloomberg first reported an obscure UK-based company had been forging documentation on jet engine repair parts. Now a London court has ordered AOG Technics to hand over documentation relating to every single sale it's made. Lawyers for engine makers Safran and General Electric say there is documentary evidence that thousands of bogus jet engine parts were sold by AOG. Their destination, airlines and maintenance companies all around the world. 
AOG hasn't responded to requests for comments. The London trial continues. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Radio. Saudi Arabia is getting closer every day to a landmark deal normalising diplomatic relations with Israel. That's according to the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. He also warns that if Iran gets a nuclear weapon, the kingdom will follow. For us, the Palestinian issue is very important. We need to solve that part. And we have a good negotiation to continue. Till now, we're going to see where it will go. We hope that it will reach a place that it will... Uh, ease the life of the Palestinians and uh, get Israel back, uh, uh, as a player in the middle, uh, middle East. Every day we get closer. It seems it's for the first time uh, a real one, serious. We're going to see how it goes. That was Mohammed bin Salman speaking in a rare television interview with the US's Fox News. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has met with US financial leaders, including Ken Griffin and Bill Ackman, to discuss using private sector funds to help rebuild his country. The gathering at Ukraine's mission to the United Nations comes after Zelensky warned Moscow's invasion undermined international norms. Most of the world recognises the truth about this war. It's a criminal and unprovoked aggression by Russia against our nation aimed at seizing Ukraine's territory and resources. And I'm grateful to all those who have recognised the Russian aggression as the violation of the UN Charter. The words of Vladimir Zelensky, they're spoken by a translator. The Ukrainian leader's trip to the United Nations comes as Poland announced that it stopped supplying weapons to the country. The decision threatens a key alliance in Kyiv's fight against Russia and follows a growing dispute over Warsaw's decision to ban Ukrainian grain imports. Okay, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. On the markets, the MSCI Asia Pacific Index is down 1.6%. US stocks 50 futures are also down 1.1%. And the 10-year Treasury yield trades up two basis points at 4.43%. Caroline, I've been fascinated by the details of the state dinner in France for King Charles in the Chateau Versailles mm. yesterday evening. Stunning guest list, obviously, as you might expect. A few well-known names, uh, Hugh Grant, Mick Jagger, Charlotte Gainsbourg was there That's as well. Stunning outfits too. Well, indeed. And some big business names too. Bernard Arnault, uh, Delphine Arnault as well, and uh, her partner Xavier Niel, also very well-known in the business world too. Um King Charles speaking in French, talking of bringing new life to the friendship between France and Britain. Emmanuel Macron talking about intertwined destinies and the food, which is really what interests <laughs> me, exactly if I'm completely honest. That, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of the headline things that you might need to know. However, I was interested in what they were eating. So there was... Um, uh, breast chicken that was being served um, there was blue lobster as well there was French and British cheeses served too and um, macarons from Pierre Hermé which Caroline <laughs> you have tried because I brought them back for you from Paris last I know week. I feel very honoured you know <laughs> fit, fit for kings and queens uh, these uh, macaroons uh, extremely delicious yeah and I think also I think it's taken people by surprise that this state visit has had such an impact, mm. you know, that that uh, King Charles and Queen Camilla were given such a, a warm welcome and that Charles has been sort of the face of soft power for Britain. I think in some ways that was a little bit unexpected, but he did something quite similar in Germany, now in France. And this, of course, after the groundwork being laid by Rishi Sunak, trying to kind of revive ties between the UK and France after difficult years 
um, mm. under Boris Johnson. So, yeah, I think it's really significant. I think it's taken the British media a bit by surprise how much uh, how much attention it got in France. I mean, for given France's history with royals, their coverage of um, <laughs> the British royal family is always uh, very yeah. interesting to watch as well. They do seem uh, quite fascinated by the events of what happens in the royal family here. Uh, let's turn back to matters perhaps more, more sensible now and talk about central bank decisions. Jerome Powell saying the Fed will proceed carefully, delivering the message that rates will stay higher for longer. The markets, meanwhile, are split over whether or not the Bank of England will raise rates again today. Our Chief Rates Correspondent Garfield Reynolds is with us now for more. Garfield, let's start with the Fed then. Jamie Dimon thinks that the, the, the uh, policymakers will have to raise rates further. What did we learn from the new dot plot about where the FOMC sees rates going next? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that are pretty clear. You know, one is the Fed remains more hawkishly biased than the market is willing to give it credit for. You know, we've only got two meetings left in the year. There was a reasonably strong consensus that they're amongst policy members that they're likely to raise 25 basis points by the end of this year. So that's one of those two meetings. And yet, we still only have a little bit less than a 60% chance seen in rates markets for a move higher. So, that helps to explain the, the extension of the increase in yields and the potential that that could go further because you know, the market continues to lag behind where the Fed says it's going to go. Um, and the interesting thing there is that, of course, the Fed has also you know, been wrong on the downside with a lot of its forecasts when it comes to the rates path over the last you know, few years. So, mm. uh, the the very real danger is there both for bond markets and for equity markets that the Fed will indeed go up by one uh, more hike this year and then that it will hold for at least as long as it seems to be countenancing, maybe even more, you know, Jerome Powell was pretty uncertain about the idea that they would actually end up cutting rates next year. Yes, very interesting. So then what is the outlook for the US economy? Actually, the prospects of a a soft landing, that that sounds more difficult. Yeah, it does sound more difficult. And I I think part of the difficulty that the Fed is running into, uh, along with investors and economists, is they just can't believe that the economy hasn't crashed yet. They've been slamming on the brakes like crazy. And yes, inflation has slowed down somewhat, but the economy hasn't really slowed down. They, they, On the one hand, they feel like they have to keep going with, the, with rate rises. On the other hand, the, the nagging worry is there that when they finally start to get some traction, they will really get some traction and will end up with a very nasty outcome. So, that you know, underscores why Powell is saying we want to get a soft landing, but we can't see a soft landing at the moment as our base case because there are just too many variables in there. So let's turn to the Bank of England then, Garfield. Yesterday's softer inflation reading, leaving today's decision really on a knife edge. A soft landing, I think, is, is something that's very much still wishful thinking at the Bank of England. Yeah, I think the Bank of England is 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 still trying to work out whether it's going to get any sort of a landing, uh, and and if so, just just how hard or soft uh, it, it might be. But that inflation report this week was so extraordinary, and that has to raise the concerns amongst policymakers and others that precisely they are about to get some real traction. So, 
can they actually decide, hey, we should stop? And yeah, the market has gone from being pretty certain of a rate hike to about a coin toss. So that's a big shift uh, in a very short amount of time for rates markets and pretty much guarantees plenty of volatility, whatever they decide. The one your concern about the, the thing that might push the BOE towards a hike and also towards you know not wanting to be too certain that Allah the ECB they're they're thinking this is it is that you know, UK inflation got higher than elsewhere it's now come down rapidly it's yet to really have the kind of tick back up that we've seen elsewhere so the concern would be that yeah, especially with oil prices rising, some other things going on, you know, with supply shocks around the globe, that if they take if they decide to hold off on rate hikes or to signal that they're done, they might end up regretting that because inflation, even at that much slower than expected rate, is still, you know, at historically high levels. Mm, yeah, so the Bank of England rate decision will be closely watched. There's no press conference, but still. Our chief, chief rates correspondent Garfield Reynolds are with us then explaining, well, the Fed moves and the Bank of England decision today. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I want to take you to Zurich for our next story. It's proving to be one of Europe's hottest housing markets um, as high salaries and the beautiful surroundings draw in expat workers from around the world to the Swiss financial hub. Our European economy editor, Ainoa Hoyaneche, is with us for more on this story. Ainoa, great to have you with us on the programme. Talk us through what's happening then in the Zurich property market. Hi, good morning. Um, so yes, what we've been seeing is that prices have been soaring in the um, Zurich district and prices per square meter um, are currently um, twice as much as the greater London area, for example. Um, average asking prices have risen by almost 12% in August uh, from a year earlier. And if we look at the Zurich Canton area, which sort of represents more where people um, commute from and, and, and live, we've seen very strong growth, almost uh, the highest in 16 months. What we're seeing in Zurich at the moment as an example is, uh, for example, small loft studio with mezzanine um, selling for about a million. Um, so it is an important financial hub that attracts mm. expats and very high salary jobs uh, and important corporations, but it's also a very small town compared to other cities in, in, in Europe, tucked between the lake and the mountains. And the supply side is also, uh, space for construction is limited due to this geographic uh, situation. Yeah, yeah I, I was just processing a million dollars for that sort of space. i almost speechless on that. Is there fallout then from Zurich's soaring prices when we think about it, as you say, as, as an important financial hub? 
Well, uh, rising living costs and immigration um, have been amongst uh, some of the biggest concerns in recent polls ahead of uh, next month's national election. Um, the Social Democrat Party has been claiming that maybe the policies that we know that have been attracting um, important corporate settlements have been helping to rise housing prices and inevitably driving locals and uh, workers outside the city. Like the average worker cannot afford um, to rent or buy. Um, just yesterday, UBS, which is based uh, in Zurich, published a report showing that Zurich is the city at the highest risk in the world uh, and to enter a real estate bubble. Yeah, wow. I mean, you're thinking about 18,000 euros a square metre. Uh, it's pretty huge. This all coming from our, our housing index. Zurich, though, very much an outlier. What are the broader trends in, in this index? Well, um, as I say, it's a very small town compared to the other um, cities. Um, it has less than 500,000 uh, people, one third of which are foreigners. So this is has very high um, salaries, uh, the minimum salary in Zurich is around 4,000 uh, francs per month, which is 80% more than the minimum salary in the city of London, for example. So um, it, it is an outlier because uh, this it, it's, a, it's a bit different. The broader trends, what we're seeing in the Bloomberg City Tracker, which tracks nine European cities, is showing that other cities are adjusting to rate hikes. Um, and we're still seeing price increases, but they tend to be slowing or even starting to fall. Uh, some of the stronger markets like Milan, Madrid, they're still increasing, but slower around 3%. Uh, we're seeing less mortgages or deals closed and tensions in the supply side with shortages in, in housing are making prices fall, but slower than expected. Yeah, it's a really interesting piece that, uh, that that we've done on this and the housing tracker. Our European economy editor, Aina Hainuche, thank you so much for being with us, talking us through the Zurich property market and staggering prices. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.